Well, it's our second last Zavchat for the first half of 2023. Welcome back. We've got another wonderful guest today. In fact, a really exciting guest. It's Jane Canazay, who, uh, of course, is a Xavier parent involved in our Xavier Social Justice Network as chair and just did a little thing called Climbing Mount Everest, which we're going to explore today. So, Bill, Nick, welcome. Got some gold to kick us off, Bill. I do, Shane. G'day, Nick. Welcome in for the second last episode. We've uh, we've had a great run this term, haven't we? Yeah, it's been great, um, and we're certainly looking forward to this episode. It should be great. So the, the goal for the week for me, I don't think you could go past the uh, 2023 King's Birthday Honours ah, List. Ah, yes. And uh, nice to be able to call out the names of four... Uh, Zaverians, or three Zaverians and someone connected, uh, and the connected would have to be Dr. Julie Edwards, OAM, uh, one of our past parents, uh, for her services to community through social welfare organisations and obviously uh, head of so- Jesuit social services. She's an uh, absolute star. So she is. Julie, congratulations. It's just a really wonderful moment. Uh, second one, uh, and uh, coming off uh, Generations Breakfast, where he was, uh, he was present, uh, Patrick McNamara, uh, AM, uh, I was in the class of 68, uh, for significant services to rowing to the Parliament of Victoria, the community through a range uh, of roles, is the official bid, and he seems to have his fingers in so many pies. He's just a wonderful person who I've had the privilege of uh, meeting a number of times. Uh, and also then uh, Michael Strong, uh, AM, uh, from the class of 65 for significant service to the law and to the community and to the late Peter Dowling, uh, an OAM, uh, an Olsevarian of the class of 1955 for services to the primary industry. So we're uh, really um, uh, and terribly uh, grateful and um, with their contributions uh, to our society and hearty congratulations on their Awards. Significant Doherty Gold to uh, kick us off for our second last episode. Nick, what about introducing our special guest? Yeah, so we're very lucky. We've got the wonderful Jane Canazay with us this morning. Um, Jane has done some very, very cool things in her life. Um, uh, she's also the chair of the Xavier College Social Justice Network. Um, and as uh, as he was alluded to, uh, just climbed Mount Everest. So welcome, Jane. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I guess we'll sort of touch on the Xavier College Social Justice Network first. Um, last week, we had a wonderful event um, last Thursday, a lovely dinner. Um, so can you sort of tell us a bit about the, the network and that dinner last week? Yeah, it was great to be. So we have two pillars that we work towards, which is um, advocacy and volunteering. So that was one of our major advocacy events. And um, it was wonderful to welcome um, Tamara and Suja from the Jesuit Refugee Services, and that's what we fundraise for, and um, bring their message. So to speak, to hear spoken about the stories of how exclusion affects people, I think hopefully everyone took that message home and and find ways, whether um, big ways or small ways, that we can think to include people in our community. Yeah, certainly. And I think the story that Shadran um, told about, like, you know, his family and the experience of his, his family and refugees um, and, like, how he's had to deal with that and how people can help, um, I think it was, it was – I found it very, very interesting. So, no, it was a great night. Yeah. And so I went out the, the following night and had dinner with, with friends I've met through, you know, they, they arrived here as refugees after many years on Nauru. And um, just to know that just having dinner with them is one thing that we can do to help people feel included in our communities. Yeah. Congratulations, Jane. It was a really special night, but it's a special year, year on year, all the work that the Xavier Social Justice Network do, and it's um, our mission in practice, in action, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a beautiful night because I feel it, um, 
it touches everyone in our community. There are parents there, there are past parents there, uh, and in particular there's red and black blazers throughout the whole, and they're hearing the messages and living them, and they see their parents live them, and it's a beautiful bit of an example that they provide. Yeah, well, the network actually grew out of parents wanting to emulate what the, the students are getting at college. Yeah. So it is great. But look, uh, it'd be remiss of us not to dive mm-hmm. into uh, probably the wrong direction, uh, um, get some uplift from your accomplishments. Um, it's quite incredible, you know, th- to think that you've climbed Mount Everest, you know, the tallest mountain in the world. Um, but obviously that starts somewhere. And um, maybe just a little bit about, you know, your background of you know, what, what got you into climbing. And I know you obviously did it with your daughter, but um, yeah, tell us a bit about your past and your adventuring spirit. Yeah, so I, I grew up in scouting, so that was sort of my first ex- experience of, and at at my age, I hate saying that, at my age, we could only join at 14 as girls, so that was the age I got involved and just spent all my teens and early 20s doing adventurous things, so paddling down rivers, I got into skydiving, scuba diving, uh, later in life took up flying trapeze, so I've always had a bit of an adventurous spirit. So when my daughter was goal setting, and said, oh, one day I'd like to climb Mount Everest. Uh, We got the ball rolling a bit earlier. But it was something that I sort of expected that it had a lifespan, and I was quite surprised when we did get to the summit. So my background was not in mountaineering or even rock climbing, Um, but we we took a long path of making sure that we were well-trained to um, safely get to the summit. Yeah, so you mentioned the training. So how was the training process? Like what sort of things did you have to do to sort of prepare yourself? To yeah, so it sort of was twofold. A lot of it we did, we did a number of expeditions where we were in the Himalayas. So we climbed to different altitudes. Um, so 6,000 metres. Our 7,000 metre summit was not successful. So that was our first feeling of it's not guaranteed. So all you're doing is a summit attempt. And if you get there, that's great but getting home is the main thing. Um, and then we went to Tibet and climbed a mountain called Choyu, and that was our first 8,200 metre, and that's, I think, when we looked at each other and went, we can do this. We, our bodies like being at this altitude, and we've got the aptitude and the confidence and the resilience and the teamwork, so we work very much as a team. But training in Melbourne was uh, considerably harder because living Bayside, you don't get much closer to sea level. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of drives out to the Dandenongs and further afield to just be walking up and down hills. Uh, we did some indoor climbing. We had an indoor altitude chamber that we'd use to do some personal training and then just jogging, PT, anything else we could get fit or strong. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Jamie, as you're talking here, I'm always reflecting back, you know, earlier uh, this year we had Nick Martin uh, who's mm-hmm. ran the channel and just thinking of this whole preparation cycle for people who go out and accomplish you know, really significant feats. But you were talking about um, acclimatising your, your bodies uh, and almost as much as your mind, I guess, to the altitude. And altitude can play um, you know, really tricky things on people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember in a, in a past life, I was um, lucky enough to meet Lincoln Hall, who was the husband of a, of a lady, a wonderful lady that I taught with. And uh, he, of course, was the first person to survive a night on Everest, uh, and he um, probably brought home to me just the the real perils of that environment. You don't take it lightly in any way. Mm. So um, maybe I'm sure there were some experiences that you might have had um, as you were both preparing and maybe summiting Everest that were 
pretty pretty frightening. Pretty, you knew you were riding face to face with nature. Anything come to mind? Yeah, look, when um, we were really fortunate that our Sherpa, and I always like to use their names, so Tendi Sherpa was Gabby's guide, and I worked with Basung, who'd worked with me over a number of years, and then we had three um, support. Um, Lapka, Kushung and Namgyal. So they worked really hard and got us to the summit at exactly the same time. So we were not expecting that because we climb at very different paces. But for me, when I got to the summit, either the cold or the pressure affected my eyesight. So descending was the most challenging part for me. And then when we got back to the base camp, or not even the base camp, when we got back to camp four, which is still in the death zone, so we're right on the verge of 8,000 metres, um... I hadn't turned my oxygen down to the right level overnight and so I was hallucinating through the night. So that was very frightening for my daughter. Um, but again, we had that team around us that we were able to, you know, switch the oxygen over and then mum was fine and descended safely. But you're aware that, I mean, one thing with the oxygen, it's supplemental. So we're not surviving on it. It's assisting us. Um, so it keeps us a bit warmer and clearly keeps us lucid. Um, and... It wasn't, there's been more extreme seasons than us. So we were blessed with really good conditions. If I could ask all the moons to align for one season, they did for our season. So Jane, how old was Gabby when you did the climb? Mm -hmm. She was 19 years, yeah. So now the youngest Australian. And you talked about your eyesight being affected. Can you just talk us a little through that in terms of exactly what did happen? So we don't know, but we suspect it's either from the extreme cold or the pressure. So like a, um, a number of the conditions that can happen are haste and hate, which is cerebral edema or pulmonary edema. So they are affecting the, the pressure in your body. And so you can, the same thing can happen to your eyes and the retina. So it was most likely that, and it just went a bit blurry. So it was like I'd taken off my reading glasses and was trying to read the menu. Everything was just a bit out of focus. Yeah. Um, and so Jane, when you're climbing the mountain, is it generally like, like the gradients, like it's vertical almost. So is there times where you have to like rock climb or is there times where you're just walking flat on a track? Like what's, yeah, the, terrain? what's so like the terrain like in detail? There is everything. There's everything. So um, there's four stages to get up. So we go through camp one, two, three, four. The Kumbu Icefall is the really famous section where you're doing, you're, you're walking through a glacier. So I often explain it. If you imagine dropping an ant into a, one of those giant ice cream tubs that you like having when you're at the beach, that's what we feel like. So we're going up and down, up and down, crossing ladders, vertical ladders. Um, I really enjoyed that, but I can tell by the tension in our Sherpa team that it's a dangerous environment to be in. Um, then the the longest, lowest sections going through the Kumbu, oh, sorry, the Western Kum, which is like a big basin uh, where you're weaving amongst crevasses, so trying not to cross them. And then the steepest section is the lots you face, which is, as you just showed with your hands, where they were almost vertical, it's a very steep angle and you're on blue ice. So this is ice that's never, never thawed. So you're kicking feet, kicking steps into that as you're going up. And then um, camping, so the camp four is in a, a, a flatter section. So you're again in a smaller basin uh, in the South Coal. So that's what the coal refers to. And then... Um, Again, a number of different sections just to go from Camp 4 to the summit. So the triangular face was quite enjoyable to go up that. And I did that on my own with just um, Basung and Lupka, the three of us, the highest point on earth through the night. And then um, the summit ridge is really hard work. So again, that's where you can see this ridge just dropping away to one side. And you know that if you 
yeah, you want to be on lines when you're climbing that. And in the front of mine the whole time is the first time this was done, 70 years ago, they were just strapped to each other, like alpine style. There was no fixed line that was keeping us safe. Well, the um, we, we, I'm sure we can be talking here for hours with you, Jane, at the moment. <laughs> but um, I was actually fascinated about um, team. You spoke about team. I loved how you referred to the Sherpas um, not only as a team but by in, by mm. their names um, and and the lovely little team environment with yourself and Gabby. Maybe just talk to us about what you know. What are your learnings there about about a team and about the importance of team? And obviously, it must have been frightening if you were either realising you're hallucinating and um, you, your eyesight not being correct and in that sort of environment and then that reliance on others. What have you Well, I've realised that, that none of us are individuals, so we, um, we we all need the people around us and we need them for different reasons. So um, I spoke to you last week, Bill, about the fact that, you know, in 1988 an expedition of, um, you know, Australian climbers went up, two got to the summit, but they were a team... Uh, that all worked together to get there. So that was back in 88. So as an 18-year-old young woman, probably not a place for me on the team. So to take a 19-year-old daughter, I can appreciate that, um, you know, there was a lot that she was dependent on others. We were both dependent on the locals around us. Um, We were dependent on each other and both of us. So I was dependent on her as much as her on me. And I think that we get that in whatever environment we're in. So if you're playing a team sport or, you know, my boys have gone through the triathlon here. So it's an individual sport, but you're part of a team in that. So you're you're training with each other. You're learning from each other and um, talking to each other and supporting each other. So all of those things come together to make something successful. Jane, Obviously, this must have brought you and Gabby incredibly close together as mother and daughter. I think that's Mm -hmm. a given. Were there moments where you confided in each other, either in the lead-up preparation months or even on the actual climb, that I just don't think I can do this? Did that moment ever arrive for either of you? Yeah, so when we did the earlier training, I think, because Gabby was a younger teen then, 15, 16 years old, um, that was when she was probably more reliant on me, um, but definitely on this climb. So she knows I got to camp four and um, realised that, we, you know, you arrive there in the morning and you leave in the afternoon. And I was looking at the time that I had, knowing I was leaving hours before her going, I don't know if I've got time to recover. And she was the one that said to me, Mum, you've got this. You've trained for it. You know, physically you can do it. You, you just turn around if you can't do it. But you know at this point, no one turns around at Camp 4. So um, she was the one Great telling lift. me. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Wow. Fantastic. How special is that? Yeah. Often um, I'm aware, Jane, you know, people take things up to the summit. You know, you, you, you leave a flag on the top or you, uh, whatever messages, et cetera, et cetera. Did, did you have anything like that? Or? Yeah, I did. So I um, got in touch with Chanel Contos before I left and I took the message of Teach Us Consent, which is a campaign about getting um, holistic consent education embedded within schools, within school curriculum. And not when our students are at year 10, but really early. So they understand that consent from a very young age. So we want to remove sort of the normalisation of of violence and how we talk about violence in the community um, and get conversations starting at a really young age. So the language we use is really powerful. And so, you know, if you're listening now, I say open your phones. We've all got our phones on us. Have a look at the, the, you know, the Instagram or the social media accounts of Teachers Consent. I'm 53 years old. And I'm still learning the language, okay? So we we grew up understanding 
you know, fight and flight response to trauma. I think more recently we've learned to understand the freeze response. And there's a fourth response, which is fawning, where we're kind to people who, who we know we need to continue dealing with if we've had a traumatic experience with them. So it's that sort of language, which is really important. So, you know, have a look through it, just flick through. If, if it's not for you, unsubscribe. But I want, want everyone to at least have a look. And the fact that we're getting it into schools. Uh, I think the Jesuits have really got onto that early with their um, understanding of what the man box is and the fact that the students are, are learning that at school. All those things all come together and they make a safer community for boys and girls, men and women. And I've got two sons and two daughters, so that the, the message is important for, for all of them. And there was a bit of a leading question there, Jane, because we probably will keen to come back to that maybe at a later episode on Zav Chat, but certainly we're coming back to that as a college um, there's a, a whole um, host of little activities going on. You mentioned the man box that we've um, previously mm -hmm. unpacked and is helping to inform some of that practice. But there's a few other things in our mind as how we build really good young men who are respectful at all times and that whole nature of relationship, but also trauma training. Uh, so there's a yeah, few things on our agenda that we'll, we'll come back to as a great message. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's good having sons come out of this college, knowing that they, they come out with a privilege and entitlement, but then they also know how to use that in, you know, within the community. Yeah, very yeah. well said and, and great message. Uh, absolutely. Look, we might go around the grounds before we thank Jane. So Nick, probably your last one of the uh, semester. What's on? Yeah, let's do it, Heels. Um, today, uh, all the students and teachers, for that matter, are in casual clothes for uh, the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Um, so everyone's going to be bringing in non-perishable food items. Um, we're celebrating Mass together um, as a Sandy Campus community um, and also down at Burke Hall. They'll be doing that um, on Friday, so that should be great. Um, last Friday, we had... Uh, on their day off, a group of um, Sandy Campus students came into school and made um, birthing kits for um, women in Africa. Um, so just giving um, and well done on all those boys for doing that. That's just great work. Um, the GAT, um, which is a big assessment for um, those studying three, four uh, VCE units, um, that's on Thursday. So um, no doubt a big day um, then. And good luck, Nick, for that one, and all of your all of your mates. Uh, it, it it is a day that um, you do need to be centred. It's one of those ones that might be able to prepare as much or as extensively for, but it plays a fairly instrumental role at pretty crucial times. Certainly at the at the back end of a VCE journey. So good luck. Thank you, Mr. Doherty. Um, and now hopefully we should all be right on Thursday. Um, last Thursday, um, as I alluded to last episode, the uh, the first eighteen footy team played Assumption. I'm happy to report back. We got the chocolates. We got the win. Um, it was a tight game. We got up by about 10 points in the end, so that was great. Um, and uh, we also had the Generations breakfast um, last Tuesday, which was just great. Um, you know, all the different generations, people of all ages coming together um, over, you know, Xavier, which was just great. So plenty happening, Heels. Well, folks, what you don't know is that Nick reeled off that around the grounds list with no notes. Zero. He's just reeled it off. It's an amazing sight to watch him at work, Bill. And Shane, and never does. So just for our listeners out there, never has a note in front of him. It's just, and he knows it because he's part of it and he leads it. 
and uh, Nick, it's it's great to see every time. I'm, I'm always saying, I, did, I didn't know we were doing that. But anyway, you, you sometimes <laughs> fill me in on some of the things that we're doing. Um, it's great leadership. Well done. And we'll have a very special last episode uh, next week with Nick and Bill as our special guests. So stay tuned for that one. But Bill, I'll leave it to you to thank our really special guest today. Jane, as I said, uh, in the middle of the uh, of the interview today, um, we could be sitting here 40 minutes time still unpacking bits of your journey. Um, it's an incredible accomplishment. So congratulations thank you uh, to yourself much. and to Gabby, Thanks. Uh, of course, and to think that you did it together and that you prepared so extensively for it. And um, it's obviously been part of your, your adventuring spirit throughout your life. But um, it's really got to be a great bit of icing on the cake. And, and the other little stories, though, that, that, that hang off this, that add real depth to what you've accomplished is, um, is, is really life-giving. Yeah, thank um, you. But, but well done. And more so, thanks just for leading the Xavier Social Justice Network. You know, that's, that's what we're about in action. Um, and you do an amazing job there. So yeah, thanks thank so much for being much our for guest. That. And, yeah, it's great to be involved in yeah, so many different aspects of the college and uh, the aspects of my children's lives as well. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Bill. And Jane, uh, make sure Sam and Joe and Gabby and uh, what's your other daughter's name? Anna. All follow us on Spotify. And folks, please follow because that just means more people are listening to these uh, wonderful sessions. So we're back next week with our last episode for the first half of the year. Thanks for joining us today on Zavchat. Chat.